Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed. I'm Ken Knapsack. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And, and we are going to discuss Mandalorian Season 2, right, Ken? 
I'm so excited. I'm stepping over you. Absolutely. <laughs> we are here to discuss the Mandalorian 2 trailer to dive into what we see, what we know, what we don't know, and what the themes are. And yes, as always, uh, it wasn't even a prediction, Joseph. We just knew that after we released our news episode this week, the trailer would drop. <laughs> it is just the way of things, right? This is the way sometimes, even when you don't want it to be the way, right? <laughs> it is absolutely the way. Yeah, so we've everybody's been waiting for this uh, trailer for a long time, speculating on when it would be announced. And here, it just falls into uh, our laps, uh, our pillows, our dreams. Uh, early one morning, depending on where you are, uh, and we get to dive into it. Uh, we did want to just uh, say really quickly before we get into discussing, celebrating this trailer, uh, we are aware that there's been some controversy around one of the actors, Gina Carano. We did, uh, we do have. Uh, feelings about that and we did discuss them on our most recent news and cues show uh that we also released today if you're listening to this on the day of release so if you want to hear about our thoughts there uh go ahead and, and listen to it there and here we're just going to go ahead and focus on the trailer and the excitement on the mandalorian and the child in mm. in fact that's an interesting discussion to have someday should the second season have been called the mandalorian and the child <laughs> You know, I, I'm all I'm all for that. Maybe maybe third season. Maybe maybe by third season will just be the child. <laughs> Absolutely. And the key art is just where's the Mandalorian? He's gone. He disappeared. He's gone. He's gone. Did the child eat him? I don't think so. I think they have a better relationship than the child eating the father. That's a strange mythic path, but we can talk about that too. Let's just dive in. I, I want to talk about the trailer itself, of course, which we'll do for the majority of the episode. Uh, but also, this is kind of a part of the tradition of being a Star Wars fan, of waiting for the trailer, speculating not only on the content of the trailer, but when the trailer uh, will land. And uh, especially right now, since uh, the vast majority of fans seem to be really excited about uh, Mandalorian, this is a great time to come together and, and celebrate. How did you feel about this timing? Uh, did you just uh, wake up to a text alert? Did you suddenly see a new gif of baby Yoda? How did you feel about this little present under the pillow? I had to wake up a little earlier than I normally do. I'm a little bit of a night owl. We are around this house. So I wake up a little early for a meeting and then nine minutes before my alarm went off, I just woke up, which happens, right? But I, I woke up and grabbed my phone as if I knew <laughs> the forces at work and I actually went uh, saw the stuff. Uh, I got tagged in some stuff on our Force Center Discord, which is attached to our Patreon page, and and everyone there knows by now the they they know the joke. Uh, big Star Wars news is going to drop after an episode, not only recorded but released, because we usually record it a day before, obviously. And I started seeing it. I just started like laughing and going, "Here we go, let's do it." And I was up, and uh, I did wait to have my coffee. I figured I waited already. I I made my coffee and toast first, then I sat down and watched it <laughs> on a big screen. Yeah, yeah, that's a that is a great way to wake up to it. I had a really strange morning. Uh, I was having extremely active dreams uh, where I was like at a convention in the stated point of the convention was, look, there are a lot of problems in the world and everybody's going to sit down and discuss them. Uh, but first, there's also a merch booth full of uh, incredibly exclusive and rare action figures of Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa. So I was like, I should deal with the problems of the world. But first, these action figures. That's uh, a prophetic dream, my friend. You, you <laughs> knew it was coming for sure. I guess I did. I guess I did. So, yeah, it was great um, to just uh, wake up. And uh, the first thing I saw was actually a press release uh, email from Disney yeah. uh, Lucasfilm. So that was great that I was able to see that before I went on the internet and saw the explosion 
of new gifts. And uh, that's yeah. another just great um, part of this whole tradition and celebration to me with all things uh, Star Wars and pop culture, but in particular with The Mandalorian is the trailer is absolutely wonderful and amazing by itself. And it is also just a delivery system for new baby Yoda gifts. <laughs> and, and with some giant wins in this one. I mean, I've watched it a few times, obviously for the joy of the trailer to, to look at it and also just go, I, I want to, I want to see the, the baby Yoda do that thing again. <laughs> yes. I want to see the baby gifts. Yeah. Uh, it was great. I was able to watch uh, the trailer first without seeing any of that. And then, Went to social media and, of course, saw the explosion. So let's get into the trailer itself. Um, what was your big picture reaction? Was uh, too much revealed, too little, just right? What was it for you? Almost too much, and it was very little. No, I <laughs> I love the balance of this. Um, I uh, you know the antici- anticipation for this was so high, and this is almost like a teaser trailer to me. And and, and I, I hope it stays there. But eh, I'm not worried about if there's more stuff. There, there's going to be spots and. TV spots went up. Just happy with the length, happy with the revelations, and happy that it's just about the themes, the tone, and little glimpses of what we're about to get. And and, and that's what I prefer in my trailers. So uh, overall, big, big, big happy Ken over here. Yeah, no, um, I was very, very happy with it uh, because we've talked a lot about on the main show that tension between like, yeah, I'm incredibly excited for the show, but there's a part of me that just wants to go into the show, but I realize trailers are a part of it in the tradition. So I was really thrilled to not only see all of the funny, intriguing, uh, juicy content that we can speculate on, all the big themes, the idea of the trailer, all that stuff was great. But then for me, just this kind of big uh, breath of relief that even though it's listed is an actual, it says the official trailer. Um, so it's not a teaser trailer, just kind of technically, but uh, sort of uh, in the way it's constructed, to me, it actually does feel like that's exactly what a trailer should be because I feel only teased. <laughs> yeah, I feel really like here's some of the ideas. Here's some of the kinds of places and scenarios and uh, allies and foes and mysterious figures here are some of the places we're going to go. It's just like the beginning, right? Um, just it, all of it, everything in the trailer is, it, with the exception of uh, the boxing ring at the end, mm. is just the beginning of an idea. And that's so great because that leaves you open uh, to not start putting the pieces together as much. You know, when you start to see like, mm-hmm. oh, well, those scenes aren't connected, but they're all clearly, or those shots aren't connected, but they're all clearly happening at the same location. So that starts to make this narrative. It's so great that this was, for me, just right. It was just a tease. It was mostly just the beginning of an idea of, ooh, Mando's going to go to this kind of place. Who knows what else is there or what will happen? I love that. Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I use that term tome poem a lot. Uh, you know, like I'm in uh, you know uh, the village in '68, uh, but uh, it, it, it's keeping with season one, just kind of that mystical, magical vibe, uh, and I love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the voiceover because I thought that was one of the just yeah. huge to me uh, successes. A great choice for a trailer. Uh, they basically used the conversation between the armor and the Mandalorian uh, that happened in, at the end of season one as the main body of voiceover. We get a little bit more at that uh, boxing ring at the end. Uh, but for the most part, it's information that we've already heard. Was that effective for you? And, and if so, why? Uh, yeah, it was effective. It, it, it's a good reminder. You know, I haven't done a rewatch on it in a few months. You know, I did do it a couple months because I accidentally rewatch one. But, you know, you, you miss those little details. 
And so when it started, my first reaction was, oh, the armor, we definitely got the armor in this season, which could very well be the case, by the way. Um, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, no, that's speech last year. So I was like, got it. Perfect setup. Perfect reminder of really what we've got. We learned in that EW article that this picks up right after the end of season one, episode eight. So that mission is still complete. And there's our theme. It's going to go a lot of places. The story's going to get bigger, but we got to drill down on this theme. This is what we got. You got the child. You got to take them back. There's also these things called Jedi out there. We'll talk about that. Uh, and and that's where where we're going. And and there's your thesis statement. Yeah, no, I, I really love it for a lot of reasons. Everything that you said, uh, I love the armor. I think there is, in, in a good way, we poke fun at it, but in a good way, there is this sort of video game narrative logic that happens to the Mandalorian if he gets missions and he's sent on them. And that we see that in small scale. And in large scale in season one, and this was really awesome to see, like, remember, <laughs> she gave him a mission at the end yeah. of, you know, the Mandalorian video game part one. And this mm -hmm. is his mission uh, for everything in Mandalorian video game part two. And again, I don't mean that in a dismissive way. Mm -hmm. It's such a great way to uh, reframe not only the plot in, in if you're somebody who is like, hey, I watched that last year and I really liked it but I don't have a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't listen to Star Wars podcasts. It's a great way also for just casual viewers uh, that The Mandalorian was so good at attracting to literally catch them up on the plot and where they left off. Uh, but there's also just so much mood in it and so many stakes in it. And the way the voiceover is framed with the images is super effective. So I just absolutely loved it for all those kind of uh, thematic reasons and, and practical reasons. But I also just, this is in my heart of hearts, what I want for more trailers is to find a way to take information we already kind of know and reframe it in a way that thrills and excites you because we didn't get a bunch of new information. We were just reminded of this old information, which is incredibly thrilling. And I would love to see more trailers find clever ways like this to absolutely get us hyped and excited without kind of overplaying their hand with new content. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm just going to be going, yep, 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 because this is a conversation we always have with trailers, not just Star Wars ones, but just like, ah, oh, they showed Hulk uh, killing everybody and winning the day, ah, and then we all get upset, so, and then we get a trailer like this, and I hear, well, not enough. You, you win, you can't win, you can't lose, I guess. Um, but I, I, I just, uh, this is uh, this is the way on trailers. How many times can we say this is the way? How many times can people tweet that today? We're going to find <laughs> out. We're going to say it. That's right. Uh, the, this is the way is going to be the way all day. So going just by the trailer, what mm -hmm. do you feel like the trailer was telling us the stakes of this season are? Who were you worried for and why? I, I am I'm worried for the child. I'm worried a little bit. For the Mandalorian, uh, we the 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 big line and and, and I see people tweeting out, out too is is the you know where I go he goes line, um, and I think that to me is the the theme or at least the starting theme of the Mandalorian's mission. So immediately we see he's going to a lot of different places, right? And we're going to talk about that. I, I love that, but like the, he this is this is the tribe. This is the the team. They're they're not going anywhere, and that gonna that's gonna create problems if. If you're being tempted to go one way, well, that it's a two party, uh, it's a two party team here. You, 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 you're concerned with the child and the child's not is concerned with you, not on a, 
any super big understanding level, but like, you know what I mean? So like you're, they're tied together. They're, they're casting their die together. Uh, one falls, the other will fall too. And then, so when you start throwing them off Gideon and all these people that might be going around, all these people that might be going after him, guns drawn, blasters drawn on the Mandalorian, it's both of them. And, uh, I like those stakes. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really well said. I really, uh, love the tension that it gives to the relationship of, uh, the child and the Mandalorian. And you're right, like wherever I go, he goes, has this great, is that for the best or is that worrisome? Is that, you know, a problem <laughs> for the Mando in any way? Is it dangerous for the child in any way? It kind of invites those questions. But I was really struck overall by how much this made me just worried for the child, literally, because that's that's the literal story of, mm. you know, the child is in danger. He's, you know, Moff Gideon still wants the the child for, you know, ambiguous and probably not great reasons, knowing he would have taken him alive or dead. Um, but the way the trailer is constructed, it celebrates the action and the fun and the comedy of Star Wars and the Mandalorian that, that we all love and why it's great entertainment. But underneath that, it is also really, really, I think, examining, hey, this is the way is a great sentence. Uh, it's a great tagline. It's a, a fun thing to play around with on social media and in our lives. But I really felt like the trailer was asking, what is the cost of the way? Yeah. Because it wasn't just the physical danger that you know Mando and in particular the child is going to be in. For me, the, this trailer was really about violence of whether it's Mando's choice or not, wherever he goes, there is going to be conflict and violence. And what is that doing to the child? And we already got that hint of that with him uh, force choking <laughs> Cara Dune uh, when his little instincts are clearly to heal, but he's seeing all this violence. So for me, the the trailer starts with though it, it, it we'll talk a little bit about the music, but there's some real ominous stuff, and it starts mm -hmm. with a shot of the damaged Razor Crest, yeah, floating in space with its back door open, which is just like this great visceral. Like I, I get nervous in any scene, uh, in any show where somebody doesn't close the door. An open door is just that visual language for like death and doom to me. So it starts yeah. right away with the what happened, what's the doom. And then by the time we get to that great boxing ring scene, it is incredibly fun and it's incredibly funny. But what is actually happening is the child knows daddy's weapons and he mm -hmm. already knows there's going to be violence. And so what we're seeing in the end is the child in literal darkness just hearing the sounds of <laughs> violence all around him. Yeah. And then ends with another reminder after the last, uh, you know, bad guy is taken out violently, this is the way. And it reframes this is the way, you know, this is the way gets said for many things. But at the end of the trailer, that final this is the way is framed as constant violence is the way right now. What's that going to do to the child? The, 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 your opening uh, statement there of, of what is the cost of this is the way being a theme uh, that uh, tie it to the, I love the opening shot of the Razor Crest uh, being, uh, you know, floating. It just doesn't look good. Things don't look good on the Razor Crest. And I can't imagine that's the opening shot of the season. You know what I mean? If we're picking up, unless there's a chase off the planet right away. Right. So I love what you're saying. 
Uh, if you decide, if you go on this path, there's going to be risks. There's going to be costs. You are now tied to someone and you have to consider that. Uh, and, and what is that going to do to you? What is the cost of this is the way? Boom. There you go. Put it on the poster, Joseph. Put it on the way. <laughs> What is the cost of the way? Yeah. What will be the, the, the true emotional reality of the Mudhorn clan of two? Uh, that's, that's really exciting to me. And I, yeah, I really loved it because it got across everything that we talk about Star Wars. Star Wars has this complicated relationship with uh, conflict and violence because that's, you know, a lot of the entertainment. It's, it's fun and thrilling and exciting and funny. And the Mandalorian, you know, it feels morally correct that, of course, he's defending the child. But... Star Wars always really wrestles with the true cost of violence. And the fact that this short teaser trailer that isn't labeled as a teaser trailer is full of fun and excitement and comedy, but still makes me think deep down about those like, oh, what is the cost of the way? That makes me so happy. Yeah, well, and and, and the, the shot there, which is a great comedy moment, but just him the child going into his pram and that shot, if you, whether it ends up in the show that way or not, Again, setting the tone, setting the theme of him shut off in the darkness, hearing the violence of his father. Uh, that's that's pretty powerful. And getting used to it on such a day to day level where he's like, oh, I know what happens when those uh, lights come on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oop. It, yep. I mean, it's time to go in the pram. Um <laughs> Yeah, great. So good, good uh, thoughts on the big picture stuff. Very excited for that. Uh, I want to talk about just a, a few, one more big picture thing, and then we're going to dive into the scene by scene because uh, there's not a ton of scenes, which is great. Uh, Ludwig Gornson's music has been one of the breakout stars of The Mandalorian. What did you think of the music in the trailer and what did it convey to you? My favorite part might have been at the end where the the, the theme kind of sneaks in there, right? The- yeah. But the but the beginning, which sounds just a, like a, a bunch of dudes in a recording studio going, oh, wow, wow, wow. I, <laughs> I really loved that. I thought, and, and the, the, the beginning, the, it's almost a soft melody against this scene of uh, destruction. Uh, I loved it. I mean, you and I have been talking over on the Clone Wars report, going back and looking at some of the early first season stuff of Clone Wars, where Kiner was doing some really brave different music choices that I don't think people remember as much. Uh, they remember his bigger, excellent sweeping stuff, especially from rebels. Go back to season one. Kevin Kiner is doing this kind of stuff too. Not, not saying Gordonson's looking back and swiping or anything. Um, it's just, I love, but my point being is I love that stuff because uh, go to John Williams, return the Jedi. You know, it'd be great. Like a, like a chorus singing a, a choir in the background. Why Vader and Luke fight. Let's do that. That's a little different. We haven't done that the first two movies so far. And so I love different things. And, and Gornson just continues to do things that I'm like, wow, that's dudes in a room going, ah, rah, rah, I need that. <laughs> yeah, no, it feels totally in the vein of uh, Mandalorian season one music. Uh, that great little haunting callback at the end to the beginning of the Mandalorian's mm-hmm. uh, main theme in season one is great. But what I really liked about this, and I think what was working on me on a subliminal level Right at the beginning, the music is kind of soft and there's a couple of like really like it sounds almost like chimes like or very high piano keys, just very, very gently uh, tinkling away, as it were. And it sounds a little bit like what would a lullaby sound like in Star Wars? And it totally connects to this feeling of youth and innocence and connects you to like, is that the theme of the child? And then it immediately gets wiped away into, as you say, <laughs> dudes going, ooh, uh, ooh. And then from there, it is all, you know, 
just kind of uh, slapping bass <laughs> yeah. uh, and striking drums. And it goes from this little tiny hint of lullaby in innocence and mystery to just uh, chaos and excitement and violence yeah. and dread. This is this is probably one of the weirdest reactions I've ever had. Just listen to you talk and this lullaby. If this was done like a DC movie trailer, you'd have uh, Beatles, uh, you know, good uh, the, their lullaby song with Ringo Starr. Now's the time to <laughs> say good night. You'd have that over a bunch of modern superhero violence to to, to kind of frighten you and give you chills. Yeah. That's what I want over this trailer too. Not not to replace the corn thing. Give me that, and then have it just record scratch into violence. <laughs> record scratch into violence. Well, now uh, from my perspective, uh, as a Gen X person, now that Nirvana has been used in a Batman trailer, anything goes from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's uh, let's uh, go ahead and look at things scene by scene. We have often not done scene by scene breakdowns of trailers uh but there were actually such so few scenes and environments and i i wanted to talk about them all so we're going to go through in order for the most part going to separate separate out some of the dialogue from some of the locations uh and i think uh ken that you and i are usually the kind that we want to talk about you know the ideas the fun we'll be excited to see that character who might that be we're not into freeze framing uh these four pixels to see if that's boba fett's toe right <laughs> Uh, absolutely not. I, I quite frankly fight against it, though I don't want to take my own joy away because I do have wonderful questions. We're going to get to it. Is that Ilum? Who is Sasha Banks playing? All those things. Yep, totally get it. I'm there with you. I just have already seen that path open up because what if it's someone completely new? What if it's a planet called Snowy Town? You don't know. <laughs> open up your mind to it. It could be something else. I kind of want it to be Ilum. I actually really love that idea. Um, but just uh, find that ballot. Speculate responsibly. It's why we keep hammering that over here in Force Center. I don't want to be a wet blanket on this party, but I've already seen a ton of, is this, uh, is this this? It could be, it could be something different. Just enjoy it for what it is. But let's also wonder because that's part of the fun. So Joseph, I'm here to wonder with you. Excellent. Excellent. No, it's, it's a, it's a good rant. And I, I'm really excited that you and I were able to talk about some kind of the big picture ideas. So now we can have some fun, uh, talking about more big picture ideas that might be, uh, you know, suggested by these individual scenes, but also just getting into the fun of like, Ooh, are we going to see that? Are we going to see this? But yes, I agree with you. We have all over the years seen rocks that we think might be slave one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, it's not a Star Wars trailer unless we think, is that slave one? It happens. This is the, yeah. It's a God. That was one of the best moments. Right. Uh, but, but this to, 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 to why to clarify why I'm going to get a little grumpy on it. Uh, do this. If you think it's Ilum, ask yourself why, why would it, why would it work and why would it fit in the story? And that's more exciting to me than snow Jedi crystals. It must be Ilum. If it's not Ilum, I'm upset. That's that's what I try to avoid, and that's all. End of it. All right, I'm I'm gonna go have my apple juice. Carry on. <laughs> no, I think we're all totally on the same page. So let's dive in, and we're gonna ask some why questions, and then we're also gonna nerd out because hey, that might be Ilum, and that's awesome. Uh, and yes. we're gonna talk about why it might be awesome. So uh, as we already talked about that opening scene, we see the Razor Crest uh, floating above two big celestial bodies with some engine damage and an open back door. Ken, I gotta tell you, I was so excited from the opening shot because there's so much about the Mandalorian that I think has found that great balance of the new and the old. 
you know, fans often discuss of like, what's too much nostalgia? And for me, like, that's that's a new shot. I don't think I've never seen that exact shot of a ship like that. But just the way those planets were framed, the way they were glowing, I was instantly back to being an incredibly young child with just my Star Wars storybook, looking at those space pictures of what the planets look like. Uh, so I, just the image yeah. of it was so classic Star Wars to me, uh, combined with the new of, I've never quite seen this, the utter terror of a ship with its back door open, which just terrifies me. What was your reaction to that opening shot? Uh my reaction to try to remove the big theme discussion because I I can't ignore it. The Razor Crest floating through space, not looking good, is is really big theme picture stuff. But you know what I love now that the Razor Crest, along with the Falcon, has this tradition of just being punched in the face. <laughs> it's falling apart. It's being scavenged. It's uh, crashing. It's not working. Now it's just floating listlessly through space, and we don't know what's happening. I actually, uh, not that it's a running joke, but it's a runner for sure. And uh, I like that. I hope that never stops. I hope there's never a point where the Razor Crest is running a hundred percent. I want to always know that there's a button that needs to be pressed twice. Yeah, I remember a long discussion on the Force Awakens trailer. One of them, it ended up in the movie being this incredibly fast shot of just the uh, Falcon buzzing through some flames and some explosion and a long discussion of, is that a shot of the Falcon blowing up? Is the Falcon going to blow up? How? Let's set up counseling sessions now in case the Falcon blows up, which is, you know, uh, a great tradition and another good mm-hmm. reminder of like, yeah, the, we, we can sometimes mislearn things uh, by freeze framing. <laughs> and look, I get emotional every time the Enterprise dies in Star Trek. I, even I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but uh, I'm glad the Falcon and the Racer Crest are still going. That's right. A lot of emotions to have then. Yeah. Uh, so then we move on to hearing the beginning of the narration, uh, the dialogue from previous season from the great character of the armor. Uh, she says, show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction mm. <laughs> and the Mando. But more importantly, the child emerges from dark shadows in his floating pram. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. I, I have some thoughts. What were your thoughts on on that? Com- the combination of that previous line of dialogue with that shot? It's it's uh, again talking about the reminder of what came before, but man, this is a great hero shot. I mean, they know the world's. This is almost like a live, you know, pro wrestling main event, and we, you know, the heroes emerged. And um, as we talk, I'm even kind of looking at it, it when he he steps into like a street light, like it's a street light, and it's just a great intro, just on a surface level. It makes you, you pump your fist and go, the good guys are here, and and I liked that a lot. Yeah, I think that's just such great uh, power of, again, we don't need anything kind of new or too much information to get you hyped. And that's what a trailer to me is for, is to get you hyped. And it works equally well if you're a super all-in Star Wars person or you like Star Wars and you watched The Mandalorian last season and you love uh, Baby Yoda jokes on social media. This is just that shot is compelling because it gets to these sort of thematic ideas we're talking about of they're literally passing through the the light and the dark uh but it also is just like you know there's now the client is a meme of you know i want to see the baby and it's almost like the trailer saying like hey whole world we know you want to see the baby um but combined with the armor's line of the one whose safety deems such destruction and then you know it's a cute little weirdo in a floating pram there's such a great uh, uh, contrast between like 
the comedy of it and the danger of it of like, yeah, no, it's this little guy is dangerous and everybody uh, wants him. Uh, So there is real danger here, but also just the comedy of that of like who, you know, caused uh, all this, who is the reason behind all this destruction? (laughs) Cute guy in a floating pram is hilarious to me. That's what's at the center of everything, including the fandom. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Then the narration continues. You must reunite it with its own kind. And we see a shot of Mando in the child walking into what looks like a sort of darkly lit market type place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you get any emotional reaction or thoughts from that little scene of them walking into uh, that market type place as I'm describing Uh, it? Yeah, other than, uh, you know, doesn't look friendly, but it also reminded me some of this this shots in uh, Solo. Uh, for the, uh, you know, the Krellia and everything, which is just, so it has a very Star Wars vibe and feel. And, you know, uh, you know, nothing great's going to happen. They're not going to a birthday party. <laughs> no, no. It, it looked like, yeah, it's a familiar, uh, but still new environment. And I feel like this shot really sets up the tone of the way the rest of this is constructed with it is showing us all these different places that the Mando is going to go. So the voiceover is setting up this idea of like, you have to go search and here are all the points on the map that you're going to go and all these different places that we as fans are going to get to see. I like that they set that up right away by showing us a place. You know, it's not Navarro again, right? They're showing us a place that we're yeah. like, ooh, that looks familiar, but we don't know exactly where we are, which is great. Yeah. Uh, Mando asks uh, where in response to you must reunite it, you reunite it with its own kind. And uh, the armor uh, responds this. You must determine right mm-hmm. over these uh, lines of dialogue. We see the Razor Crest, Razor Crest fly over what is presumably Tatooine as a Tusken Raider on a Bantha looks up at the ship. What were your reactions to this? Well, I love it. I, I've just I'm thrilled about the Banthas, as we talked about on the other show and other new show this week. But what's funny, you talk about the, the VO is is over this. Go watch it again if you haven't seen it already, folks. Um when Mando says where the Bantha's mouth is accidentally synced up to it. So when I first saw it, I thought the Bantha was talking. <laughs> so we go and we go full Hem- Henson. Is this Fraggle Rock? What do we got going on here? Wow. Um, that's so right, great. Yeah. It just, there's a little, he's chewing his cud and there's just this, it just totally syncs up perfectly with where, as if the Bantha is like, where here. All right. I'm Sweetums, Hollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> so, uh, side note, really funny, uh, but I loved it. I love that shot. Uh, I love that shot. Uh, we can see it now, and just uh, the Bantha's looking uh, pretty darn practical, but probably, I mean, I would love there if there's an elephant under there, but it just looks super, super practical, uh, and I want to ride it. I'll pay oh, top. Yeah, I want to ride a talking Bantha. I think that's really the main takeaway of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> of our show, Ken. I yeah. want to ride a talking bantha. I like the idea that the the bantha can only say the word where. So like where? it's <laughs> totally this organic lift. You just get on the bantha and the bantha's like, <laughs> where? Like most icely cantina, please. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is one of those shots that I, I'm thrilled by the actual content. We knew from the EW spread that we were going to see Tuscan Raiders again, that we were going to see uh, bantha again. This is one of those moments where like, okay, we get a little bit of like uh, confirmation that we can start extrapolating from because before we knew like, yeah, we're going to see Tusken Raiders and Banthas again, presumably on Tatooine. Um, They've traditionally been on Tatooine, but so were Jawas before Mandalorian season one. So you never know. Um, 
got to keep an open mind uh, to how the canon might be, uh, you know, at, more ideas added to it. Um, this could be Tatooine. Uh, this could cup. be Tatooine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's Tatooine. But we knew that we were going to go here. Uh, but that's new information that the Razor Crest is, which is great. You know, it's because that's tantalizing, but, you know, uh, but not too revealing. Right. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot but, of possibilities back there. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I when they were talking in that EW article about season one, we just followed the Mandalorian and there's going to be some other plot threads. You know, I thought, well, maybe maybe Mando isn't going uh, to Tatooine. Maybe we're just following Fennec Shand and, you know, whoever else might be hanging out on Tatooine. But to know that, nope, uh, Razor Crest or maybe somebody who hijacked the Razor Crest. <laughs> yeah. The Razor yeah. Crest is going to Tatooine. We don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. This also just really grabbed me is one of those don't for myself saying don't make too much connection between the voiceover and the image, because I yes. think that temptation to say you must reunite it with his own kind where and then you immediately see what we presume is Tatooine, I think, can make people go, oh, this means Ahsoka is going to be hiding out in Ben Kenobi's mm-hmm. old hut. Right. We can kind of jump to those conclusions mm-hmm. that the image of Tatooine is the answer to the question where. And I feel like it is to me, I think it's more just like this is a way to remind us that he's going to go many places in his quest to find, you know, any information about these sorcerers called Jedi who can help him find the path for the child. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and not just the place, but just like the information and the people. I think there is, uh, you know, if we want to just kind of run in possibilities, Amy Sedaris's character is an up uh, uh, thing. Uh, yeah, I know Fennec Shan. That's a, I mean, we're not too if we're not too far after the actual time of season one. Uh, you know, the fact that she could still be there, and and the rumors of Timothy Oliphant, Cobb Vanth, all those type of things. It makes a lot of sense, and I'm I definitely excited about the speculation around this. Uh, and. I, I like Tatooine, man. I don't mind going back to Tatooine every Star Wars property. I, <laughs> there's something about it. I, I just grew up with it. So I, I grew up near the beach. And I thought I lived on Tatooine when I was a kid. So uh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't bother me at all, especially since we are possibly going to be dealing with characters who have ties to Tatooine. It's great, you know. Uh, makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, and Mando's visited there before. Um, it was also just, I know that we saw them in the photo spread for EW, but the Tuscan Raiders and the way that we got to see their perspective a little bit more in season mm-hmm. one is one of my absolute favorite things from season one. So it, it's not just for me like Tatooine. It's like, I'm excited to see Tuscan Raiders and think what more are we going to see or understand or what perspective are we going to get uh, from the Tuscan Raiders? It could just be an establishing shot, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm hopeful for more uh, great Tuscan Raider perspective. It's not out of the realm of the possibilities that uh, some of the help he seeks is the Tuscan Raiders because he clearly un- not just understands them. I think has, has had some sort of uh, interaction with them in the past. You know what I mean? It, it's not not in the sense that those two Tuscan Raiders in Episode Five are like, "Hey, it's our buddy Din," but like he he of all the characters we have right now in Star Wars would be like, "You know what? I need, I need some help. The Tuscan Raiders might be someone I can go to." You know, that, that's wild speculation. I, I think more than anything, you might be right. It could be a establishing shot, but, uh, you know, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, yeah. Do The question that faces us is, do you build or dress up an elephant to be a bantha just for an establishing shot? My hope is no. Right. Uh, then we get uh, some more dialogue that is uh, over 
uh, some various images. And here's where I'd like to pull the dialogue separate from the images so we can really give them both their full due as well as how they connect. Uh, we get to hear more of what the armor said in the first season. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. Again, we have heard this before, but let's talk about just that for a moment. After you've had some time to sit with it for season one, we're heading into season two. How does this track for you in the great game of canon, uh, where mm. we know many uh, modern Mandalorians are, are aware of relatively recent history of their relationship with uh, Jedi and Force wielders and their own past with the Darksaber. And here the armorer is talking about it in a sort of mythical way in appearing to give information to Din Djarin that he didn't grow up with. How are you feeling about all that? We're in the great game now. I, I, so here, I like it. In this trailer, I like it. I like how it's used. It is mythic. And it is, we don't know all the answers. The only uh, problem, I don't know, the only thing I run up against in my own soul is, to your point, Joseph, I don't think the man, a lot of the Mandalorians we've met so far, it's not that they're just aware of the past. They brag about it like they're doing CrossFit. <laughs> they, they will talk, oh, oh, you like my armor? We built it to kill Jedi. Have you heard the story? Have you this or that? Do you know the Darksaber? Oh, let me talk about uh, Tar Vizsla. Have you heard the story? Sit down. They're that way. A lot of the way does not mean again, does not mean every one of them. I am, I am fine with this group keeping the helmets on and I'm fine with another group. Some of the stuff with Bo-Katan, she doesn't have a problem taking the helmet off in the past. We've seen that. So do they collide? I have no problem with them colliding. I'm intrigued to find the answers, but it, it does stick out to me. It does make me think, uh, how are they going to deal with that? Cause you, you know, they have, I mean, it's not just Filoni. Favreau read the lines in the Clone Wars <laughs> about yeah. it. Yeah. He he spoke, uh, you know, unmuffled as, uh, you know, as Pre Vizsla yeah. without a helmet on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and that going to that EW thing where there is a lot of uh, that Favre saying, oh, I'll say, let's do this. And Filoni will say, well, I, we can't do that. It kind of goes against some stuff. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But, uh, you know, I'm so I'm intrigued. I like it in terms of just the armor, who's a great character saying this kind of mythic thing in the past. And they were called <clears throat> Jedi. Like that's going to work for the general audience, going to work for the show overall, but I want to see how, how do you, how do you reconcile other Mandalorians bragging about killing or fighting the Jedi or being one of the only ones to stand up to them uh, versus this guy who wasn't born into it. He was uh, adopted into it. We know uh, not knowing anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much there. It's just, it's so juicy and interesting to me and it's not, I don't approach it as these things don't agree and I'm, I'm upset and I'm intrigued by, both the behind the scenes reasons for it and what kind of storytelling is going to emerge about the different cultures on Mandalore, the different choices from different mm -hmm. uh, Mandalorians, uh, be they a race or a creed or, or both in, in some cases. But part of what it just thrills me about hearing that and thinking about it is you and I did this uh, big episode of our deep dive show about romance versus realism in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason I wanted to do an episode like that to really kind of frame the way that we think about it and discuss it is because exactly because of things like this. Favreau grew up with the original trilogy. The original trilogy, by and large, speaks in a romantic way. Uh, later Star Wars storytelling gets a little bit more world building, a little bit more realistic. And somebody who grows up in the original trilogy and wants to capture 
how that made them feel, wants to talk in romantic, mythic ways. It's not just the, did they know about the Jedi or not? It's the fact that she says, songs. That's romantic by itself. Songs of eons past tell us of battles. It's not, I went to the library and I got the archived hollow data, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not technical, it's romantic. Um, and sorcerers called Jedi, you know, that gives them that sense of mystery of, we knew they were sorcerers, but, you know, some say they were called Jedi. All of it adds this great sense of mystery, and I think that gives us so much perspective about why the Mandalorian feels the way it does, because I think Filoni is trying to make sure that it, it lives in the modern world of Star Wars, which has a lot of romance and realis- realism, but I think Favreau as a creator is just chasing that feeling of being a little kid when you didn't know what the Clone Wars were, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and it was just a story from the past, and it was a mystery. And, you know, the, the Empire rose, you know, and now it's the dark times. But in the before times, those ambiguous amount of time, generations, the you know, mm. Jedi were great heroes. You know, all that feel is so what he's chasing. And then that question is, how does it get balanced with this, you know, ton of kind of history we have of Star Wars? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and, and yeah, we are here. We're, we're we are trying very hard to separate the the VO from the shots, but there, you know, you do kind of cut to that crashed ship. Is it the Razor Crest? Is it a Clone Wars era ship? I don't know. I can go either way on it, but just connecting it to the you know, Eon the songs of Eons ago, total battles and whatever. I'm totally mangling the line. Um, I did love that use of of connected uh, imagery and VO only only in this trailer being its own song. You know what I mean? Right. I, I and I'm not digging into it as, oh, that means this. I'm just saying, God, that really was one of my favorite parts of the trailer. But it invites you to wonder. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll move on here quickly to the um, actual images as well. So not to get totally lost in this. But yeah, just uh, I'm sure we'll have ample opportunity to talk about it again. I feel like there's a, the, a couple of threads of, you know, there's often discussion of, well, how did the whole galaxy seem to forget about the Jedi in 19 years? And I feel like that's been answered well in lots of different uh, books and comics and that the the propaganda machine of the Empire is really fierce. And you don't talk about those space wizards that honestly, only some people saw. It's a big galaxy. And sometimes, you know, a lot of people would have seen them from far away and, and all that. So it always makes sense to me when you encounter a character like uh, Din Djarin, like, Clearly, he never saw one close up. Maybe he's heard these rumors before. Uh, maybe he's been told, keep your head down. Don't talk about the rumors of the weird space wizards. Uh, you know, it's trouble to talk about them. So there's that part of it of how could he possibly not know. And then I'm, I'm just kind of feeling more and more. Uh, this is somewhere between a prediction and a hope. I'm really wondering if it is a lot of this is flowing from the armorer herself. The uh, mm-hmm. wearing the helmets. This is the way. Here's how we form clans. Here's how we talk about the past. If this is a response to the various uh, tragedies of Mandalore, Mm -hmm. where the armor herself is like, you know what, damn it. This isn't between Satine and Death Watch. This isn't should we be pacifist or should we be violent? This is we're going to lose our culture and we are going back to the old, old, old ways. We're only speaking in the old ways. And the old way is the way. And I, you know, am leading this clan with this really forceful perspective. Totally. Yeah. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. 
And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool. I've always kind of thought that that she's she's got a little bit of like, well, that didn't go well. Let's go back. To <laughs> well, that didn't go well. Mm-hmm. I guess this is the way. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on. Thank you for indulging me in uh, my Jedi mm-hmm. romance talk. Um, we see the Razor Quest uh, swooping into a snow-covered planet with deep ravines. We see the child sitting in snow with uh, something behind him. Uh, what are your thoughts? This is the great Ilum conversation that's already emerging on social media. Do you want this to be Ilum? Do you want this to be another ancient snow-covered planet? Do you want this to be Hoth? <laughs> what do you want? Hoth's not bad either. And if I was to follow the train Favreau's on, <laughs> Hoth has more of a realistic chance of popping up. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I love Ilum. I love, uh, you know, we did get the confirmation late in the game and Fallen Order deals with it a lot. Great level to play on, great level to go back. The Empire was already working there. The Empire was already, already building things. The First Order uh, is like, oh, hey, cool. Let's just pick up this project. It turns into Starkiller Base. And I love that. I love that we get that story later. I don't think you could have really dealt with it a lot in Force Awakens. There wasn't the time. Uh, so to maybe get a chance to deal with it now as, as a fan, as I am of this planet and the concept, you and I love the episode, the, you know, the gathering with Ahsoka and the younglings going back. There's a lot on this planet I love. And if you could deal with it, it has, and if it has anything to do with the child, uh, in his past or the way forward or reconnecting or just information, uh, you know, uh, Ahsoka's opened up a gift shop here and they're going to go seek her out. Uh, whatever you want to <laughs> say. Uh, there's there's a lot of things, and so I I, I definitely am all on board. Um, but keeping it keeping my mind open to, to it being Snowy Town Twelve or Snowy Town Prime in the in the Snowy Town system uh, is, is something I'm gonna I'm gonna do as well, just for my own safety. Yeah, no, I I am totally with you. This could absolutely uh, just be a, a place where hey, that uh, dealer of rare goods, the this Athorian who happens to like Snowy Town. Is, yep. lives in this cave and he's going to buy you know who knows another phase blaster who knows a pulse yeah. blaster um it could be part of my gito that we haven't seen before too it, it, you know it, you know or yeah hoth, yeah you make the hoth joke but i mean <laughs> like favre going hey you want to do a wampa let's go back let's go back to hoth and do a wampa. <laughs> like i could see that too yeah and then uh, it, yeah then favre was saying i want to go to a snow planet should we do hoth and then feloni's like well here's some other snow planets from other eras <laughs> Uh, so I can definitely see that, and I definitely want to be prepared for that. But allowing the indulgence of nerding out about Ilum, I think what excites me about that and, and why I think it is a possibility is we know that this is uh, Mando's journey to understand and pick up on some traces uh, and trails of Jedi or or people who understand uh, the Force. So going to Ilum does make some amount of sense. This is an incredibly interesting time to see it in canon because we do know from fallen order that the empire had started you know not just mining it uh for the kyber crystals but did start to kind of dig out the trench that eventually mm -hmm. becomes the star killer weapon so after the fall of the empire and before the first order fully gets involved you know what's the exact state of the planet is this a little pause on the project or is there already uh, the, you know, agents of the First Order right. working on the planet, you know? So I think mm -hmm. that's a really interesting moment in its uh, time before, you know, right after the fall of the Empire, you know, relatively, but before the probably full rise of the First Order in the Unknown Regions. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that'd be, an, yeah, you'd have to, you would have to kind of answer that some way, one way or the other. Yeah, I also think this is this is going wild. Are you okay with me going wild, Ken? Go Bordering on, on speculating irresponsibly? Mm -hmm. Take a swig and do it. <laughs> Take a swig of my coffee. I think that there is, uh, is, if Mando learns more about the history of Mandalore and learns that a lot of the technology that we use was, in fact, designed. Uh, you know, he said, you know, my culture is weapons uh, at one mm -hmm. point in the first season, paraphrasing there. Uh, if he kind of does learn like, yeah, and a lot of it was developed specifically to counter uh, Jedi and Moff Gideon's got this Jedi weapon and he's coming for you. Is there any possibility that Mando 
goes to Ilum for a kyber crystal because this is the way to mm. walk this path that he needs to understand. Hmm. I yeah, that I love that idea. That's wild. Uh the the that is there because there's something interesting in that that sword you had in in your backpack suddenly is is uh is illuminating blue and you know that now it tells you orcs are coming. <laughs> you know, you're like <laughs> Oh, I have this for some bigger reason. Got it. Okay. Let me go follow that a little bit more. Um, and then how does he once faced with maybe once faced with someone of, of the force using the force, a Jedi of any kind in name or, or, or not name. Does he, does he think, well, wait a minute, are we enemies? You know, he's already mentioned that, you know? Um, so what does he learn about that relationship and can he change it because the season one's about changing your programming. Can he kind of reevaluate the the relationship with the Jedi? Um, big, big Mandalorian history things going on here. I don't know if we'll deal with that, but that's what, that's what your speculation makes me think about. Yeah, no. And I think that's great that you bring that up because there is a blank canvas in some ways to be played with, with the Mandalorian of, he knows that he can reprogram himself. He knows that he can kind of choose what kind of Mandalorian he wants to be, so what will he choose? And will it be too much just feel like straight-up fan fiction if the Mandalorian goes to Ilum looking for a kyber crystal to yeah. make a weapon uh, to fight the Darksaber? Uh, yeah. That would be wild, wild. Uh, we hear the dialogue, you expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers, and uh, this is all a little bit blurred together, but then at the same time we are seeing this a shipyard full of diverse aliens. A woman in a dark hood or traveling cloak uh, looks at Mando when he looks back. She's gone. What are your thoughts on this environment in that figure? Uh, Environment-wise, first of all, I love it. We see a lot of the the, the corn. It's like this, uh, you know, like a like a shipping dock, a, a fisherman's wharf. We got a couple of uh, was it uh, cinetines, uh there, and so seeing them in live action after being uh, just so prominent in Clone Wars at times would be interesting. Uh, I like that. Uh, and yeah, we've got, uh, this is what a lot of fans are talking about. This is uh, Sasha Banks. That's a ring name. Mercedes Kastner Varnado is uh, the actual human who portrays Sasha Banks in the WWE. Uh, very successful, very talented uh, wrestler. Uh, also Snoop Dogg's cousin, for those that don't know. Um, this is her spot. This is her little cameo in the season. Big role in the season. I When she got cast, I thought it was... I just assumed to be a little small, so I'm, I'm I'm keeping my spirit there. But but who knows? And this is one of those spots, Joseph. You, the, the the dialogue, the VO, definitely makes you think this is a person with force powers. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Still, I think this is uh this could be also Night Sister. I uh, this could be this could be Satine. This could be this. Uh, I think this is a person of mystery, and that's the whole purpose of this section. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Yeah, but it is raising that idea, you race of enemy sorcerers, that this world of uh, force sensitivity that Mando is uh, is tracking down is taking him to unknown and perhaps dangerous territory. And I did, I loved the shipyard, uh, ship dock uh, aesthetic of that's such a great, speaking of romance, it's, you know, it's this place of community and transit, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. it, in a place of, new beginnings and a place of danger and in mystery, all great stuff that it evokes. And then to have this uh, figure, you know, in anything cloak, like even if it's just like it's raining cloaks and star Wars are going to get us all excited about force users. It's Um, a good cloak and hood combo. I'm I'm looking at it now. 
Good cloak and hood combo. I would happily wear it if it ever rains again in Los Angeles. I would happily mm-hmm. wear that to protect myself. Uh, but I, I, I was just really excited by all of the possibilities of the mystery of this character. Is this, you know, is this someone who claims to know the path to Ahsoka, you know? Yep. Is this somebody who is uh, working for uh, Moff Gideon or is in fact a different faction uh, mm-hmm. that there, there's a little bit of like, I didn't get the vibe of like, oh, that's a dark side user and the, the finger lightning's coming. But there is something that that has a little bit of a like ritualistic vibe to that cloak. Mm-hmm. And I, I still really like the idea that, it, you know, it's not just that the Mando is returning the child to its people, whatever that be, be it its species mm-hmm. or uh, Jedi or, or force users. But because Moff Gideon appears to want the child for its force power value is our, our guess for everybody that mm-hmm. it, it, it makes the baby <laughs> himself a target. And I got this little bit of vibe of like, is this somebody who some sort of dark side cultist who wants the child like that mm-hmm. possibility uh, passed through my mind as well. Yeah, and, and going back to, to the why of this, why would this person be watching the shadows? They have knowledge, they have a desire, good or bad, we figure that out. The vibe, Star Wars just, you know, we've watched around, we've watched enough to know that this might start in a bad place, but it could end up in a good spot. But uh, it's played so well, it's a good reveal. I know there's a lot, of, I think it's smart that they revealed it because you're getting a lot of, there's a lot of coverage <laughs> in, in the wrestling fandom right now on this clip. So, hey, there you go. Drive your subscriptions over. But I like what you're saying, Joseph, that, that this is someone that represents, whether it's an individual or a group, that is very aware. Not just like, what's that? They're very aware in my mind. That's the why of this shot to me. Yeah, yeah. And it, one of the things in the trailer that uh, really enhances that fear for uh, the poor innocent child just just mm-hmm. born 50 years ago, just wants to eat frogs and play with silver balls, but... It is yeah. the center of everything because of yeah. the child's power. Uh, after this uh, great sequence of mystery, as you uh, describe it, uh, the armor responds to uh, the Mandos saying, oh, I'm supposed to find a uh, race of enemy sorcerers. The armor says, this is the way. And the child looks up at Daddy Mando as if mm-hmm. to say, you're stuck with me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, powerful moment. What did you feel was the emotion there for you uh, of the after all these little scenes of of mystery and and the the weight of Mando's uh, assignment? Then the yeah. child looking up at him. We're talking about higher stakes, and it's not just Giddy and it's others around. And going back to what you said up top of just the the safety, they're together. And the child though the child has amazing powers that we've already seen and has saved the day. Still so dependent and still doesn't really realize that those powers might make them more powerful than even daddy, but daddy's still important and they're connected. And I loved it. It is a, it is a earnest look of, I need you and I'm here with you. This pram's following you. Uh, and I loved it. It's sweet. I've got a, I, I've looked it's, it's a sweet shot, man. The child just pulls on heartstrings. Yeah, it's such a sweet shot, and it still plays, even though we've got to spend a lot of time with the Mandalorian. That mask works so well, right? Because we can see what the child feels of, like, kind of weird, uh, scary place, Daddy. I sensed a weird presence over there, and it looks like you did, too. Is everything okay? And the Mando looks down, and you don't know exactly what Mando's thinking. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, 
From here, we montage. Uh, we see Mando yeah. and Child on a boat in open water with uh, what appears to be a Quarren deckhand in the background. Man, do you love Quarren deckhands in the background like I do, Ken? I love this shot. I got to tell you what, we, we occasionally Star Wars boats and ships come into play. Uh, Rise of Skywalker, we saw the skimmer and everything, but uh, what uh, I think one of the Cloudy Gray books, maybe it's Bloodline. I don't know. There's some uh, a ship pops up and it's kind of this weird like, why are you in the water? You could float above it. <laughs> so I love kind of this exists. I love the, 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 again, I grew up near a beach, which also included uh, Avila Beach as a big kind of port fishing, kind of industrial kind of port. So it has that vibe. Um, it, it has that, uh, you know, it, maybe even a little Game of Thrones, Iron Island vibe too. And I really liked it. And uh, I mean, if the, I, I, I don't want to do those weird predictions of this is Mon Cala, but there's something about that too. The, uh, you know, the, 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 I don't know. I don't, I'm don't going down prediction paths. So I don't want to go. Uh, anyways, I liked it. I liked that there was a fishing ship, Joseph. I did too. Uh, this was one of the places where um, I think this trailer got across really well of like, yes, now you all know that we mostly just uh, shoot this in front of a large screen, but we are going to show you some shots that don't look like they were shot in front of a large screen. This is one mm -hmm. of those shots that just got across the scale of he's going to visit all sorts of different places and we're not going to be entirely limited by, you know, he's standing in front of a screen. Uh, so just seeing that, that open water, uh, and that boat, I love that vibe. He's visiting all these places that look kind of lonely and remote, and it increases that tension of like he's on a tiny, what looks like little fishing or transport boat way off in this ocean, and you still get the sense that danger is all around them. And I love that vibe of you think you're lonely and isolated, but you know you're surrounded. That's so great. Um, and then the corn deckhand is great. I just, I love seeing all of these aliens and seeing them in, in different places, different ways. And for me, this is another Ilum conversation of there are many planets with water. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he could be on Camino. He could be on a planet we've never heard of. He could be on a water planet from the near the end of the old Marvel run of Star Wars comics. Who knows? Brand new water, water planet. He's on Watertown. Jeez, come on, people. Snowy Planet 12 and Watertown Prime, right? Yeah, nailing it. Uh, but then, you know, hey, if it's Von Kala, cool, great, because I love those deep cuts. Uh, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. Filoni worked on uh, the big war story in Clone Wars between the Quarren and the Von Kala. Uh, there's, you know, going forward, we've got lots of stories with the Resistance trying to get the Von Kala on board. It would be fun to see them and their culture in this window, but it's also just uh, water in Star Wars is cool, too, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we see the Razor Crest uh, accompanied by and then pursued by X-Wings, partially through beautiful clouds. Ken, uh, this was one of my absolute favorite shots. Uh, I, I fist pumped quietly to myself uh, because this is one of my great wants for this time period is to keep seeing what we saw in Chapter 6 of Season 1, that the New Republic is mighty and they are a presence and they might not be able to be everywhere right away but that doesn't mean that they aren't still like a big power and when you're being pursued by two x-wings you have a major problem yeah not good not good <laughs> uh, what was your what was your reaction uh to the shot uh it it uh it looks really good uh i am pretty nitpicky on some of the the, the just the visuals in this series as a lot of people know 
and this one uh, had, has me feeling good. It looks like uh, it looks like some old school models made in a, a office space near the Van Nuys Airport in '75. And, <laughs> uh, I enjoy it. I like the sequence. I, yeah, I love that the New Republic is still involved. It should be involved. I don't want it. I don't want the story to always be so on the outside that we don't have some sort of uh, tie to what's going on in the galaxy at large. Yeah, yeah. So you were excited uh, to see the X-Wings? Yeah, definitely. And were you convinced by the presence of clouds that we are going to Bespin for sure? No, it's Cloud City uh, 2, which is not (laughs) the one you're familiar with, people. Yeah, I would love to go back to Bespin someday, but also clouds are beautiful and just a great shot. And I love the tension of, again, kind of playing on uh, both casual fans and deep knowledge of Star Wars. Uh, in that initial shot when it looks like the X-Wings are kind of accompanying the Razor Crest, but then the S-Files open to attack formation. (laughs) is a great bit of tension of like, oh, okay, there's going to be a problem. Uh, Then we briefly see Mando on a bike. We see Cara Dune and Grief Karga walking forward. Uh, Did this one grab you? Were you excited by uh, the what I assume is a return to Navarro? Uh, yeah, yeah. And that Grief Karga has got, uh, you know, he's running the joint. He's, he's opening up a proper eating house here. I like this. Uh, I like the look. I love the, the gray beard. Uh, he's looking good. And, and yeah, I still enjoy the Cara Dune character. Uh, you know, controversies, uh, you know, not bringing him in here to this discussion right now. Uh, and the fact that she stayed and is maybe, uh, in his organization, uh, doing some good things or bad things. We don't quite know what, uh, which way they go there, but uh, it seems like Grief has had, uh, it seems like he would have, gone through some emotional and uh, moral changes <laughs> after all this. Yeah, this, I, I like this idea, this hint that uh, what we've learned from Cara Dune is that she seems to be a person who uh, is comfortable when there is conflict, when there is action. We have those great lines about, you know, they had the New Republic had me just doing like escorts to dignitaries and I, I did not, you know, it, it went wrong. I did not fit in. Maybe something bad happened. And then we got grief kind of traveling in the other direction of like, you know, being touched by uh, literally and and emotionally (laughs) by the child healing him in this idea of like, well, now I can kind of re restart the guild how I want. And, you know, what is it going to be? That's exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love grief. Love that Carl Weathers is directing an episode. That's that's cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Then we move on to what I imagine, Ken, you enjoyed very much. We saw a whole bunch of Imperials on parade. Uh, We saw multiple uh, Thai Outlanders. Uh, We saw Stormtroopers running down a hall with the classic uh, Imperial uh, alert noise. Then Mm -hmm. we saw Biker Scouts on speeder bikes launching themselves off a ramp into a deep ravine. Uh, What did this do to you, Ken? I lay look get some cool toys. I love seeing uh, speeder bikes doing some new things and those biker scouts looking pretty cool. I like that we might be maybe going to go to some sort of imperial base, a star destroyer, that that thing of Gideon commanding a bigger vehicle. Hint hint you and I talked a lot about wanting it to be an ad at walker for our old Kenner toy reasons, but <laughs> uh I I liked it. It's it's Star Wars in this era, and even though the war is over, we know the remnants are there to still have just as the as, as powerful it is to see X wings in it to to see the not just see the Imperials but hear that familiar alarm. Uh, I really liked it, and and see what they can do just in the technical sense uh, on the volume with Imperial bases and ships and everything. I'm interested to see if they can pull that off. 
Yeah, yeah, and I misspoke there. I said Thai Outlanders because I guess I was just uh, doing an impression of Watto uh, saying Outlanders. They are uh, outline outland ties. Uh, yes. But yeah, it was great, great to see that, uh, see all of them. And I love that this was all kind of compressed because it, it, as we're getting to the montage, we're like, okay, well, here are all the different places he's going to go. Here's all the threats he's going to face. And to see a lot of uh, the Empire, you know, without kind of giving us too much Moff Gideon or too many, you know, spoiler lines or scenes to right. just that that presence uh, that threat of the empire um and man yeah it, it was for me action figure fantasy time we've talked uh, a bunch about how much this is uh well, we talked about it and then it was confirmed in lots of interviews this is uh favreau and filoni playing with their action figures up to a point and the hey, a bunch of speeder bikes diving off a deep ravine uh, with biker scouts is utter action figure fantasy time and got really excited by that uh Voice-wise, we got now the beginning of a new scene. First, we just hear the voice. Uh, we hear, you know, this is no place for a child. This is uh, spoken by, uh, according to the uh, subtitles on the YouTube video, spoken by a character called Gore Koresh. Uh, that character is an Absin, uh, which is same as Mio Mayo in the cantina from A New Hope. Um, and then Mando responds, wherever I go, he goes. There's some more stuff around that, but I wanted to break out that text. Uh, first, how are you How are you feeling about Gore Koresh and just the look of that guy? I, uh, it's, I'm, yeah, glad it's a cantina connection, uh, keeping up with a lot of things I did in season one. It's uh, immediately intrigued. It's uh, it's not my favorite character design, to be honest, but um, but. If 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 this is a little bit of an odyssey, <laughs> having some kind of menacing character with one eye tracks for me, uh, <laughs> and uh, I liked. I, I ended up really liking it. I love the name. I think it's a Gore Kanesh. You said Gore Koresh. Koresh. Oh well, there you go. There's some cult leader vibes there too. Who knows what's going on? So yeah, I, I like. In the end, I liked it. I just I love I love pulling stuff from the cantina. Uh, One-eyed cyclops monsters in Star Wars not my favorite thing, but then uh, you know I, this sequence it works for me. Yeah, no, that's such a great conversation because I think the way you're feeling is the way Lucas has, you know, reportedly felt about the cantina. Like, I wanted all these unbelievable aliens and we got, like, the Athorians and we got the Rodians, but then we got, like, a damn werewolf mask and uh, yeah. a one-eyed Cyclops. And I know Lucas felt that way, but I think, yeah. like, a lot, Favreau and myself, like, I, I think, uh, and many other people felt like, ah, that's cool, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. werewolves. <laughs> I like one-eyed cyclopses. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't knock me out of things, but it does. Uh, it, it crosses my mind. Yeah, yeah, no, it uh, it is uh, totally understandable. Uh, I just, I really love seeing another Cantina alien, and it made me feel like maybe the Mandalorian television show is going to go on long enough until every single alien species <laughs> in the Cantina gets a speaking role. Damn it! Yeah. Uh, you know, this is no place for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. We already uh, touched on the power of that statement. It seems to be kind of the new tagline in a way to go with um, this is the way. Do you have any other thoughts that you wanted to share about wherever I go, he goes, how it's placed in the trailer, anything like that? Uh, no, I mean, you've got the interesting shot here, him walking into, you know, more um, uh, snowy town 12 spots. Um, no, it's just to me that just to keep hitting that theme, to keep hitting the theme. And what's that cost? Like you said up top is, is the images match that, uh, the words tone wise. Yeah. I, the, there was something that I got from it, the way it was placed here of like, we are in the, as we're hearing this, we're in this midst of montage of, uh, challenges and in, in deadly places and deadly figures. And the way, wherever I go, he goes, had this, uh, I don't know, a little bit of, uh, it made me think of guilt. 
of like, does he know this isn't the best, but he doesn't know a way around it? Or the wherever I go, he goes also made me think of like, how traumatized is the Mando uh, that he did, you know, briefly lose custody of the child mm-hmm. and the child was in danger. And, and you know, IG-11 did a lot to save him, you know? Mm. Yeah. Okay. And if he can do, if he has to do that again, what will that do? Yeah, if there's a little bit of like, I, you know, I've left him before and I thought it was safe and he always ends up in danger. So I am never leaving him out of my sight again. Yeah, that's true. Amy Sedaris would slap him upside the helmet and uh, tell him <laughs> not to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe he's going back to Tatooine for more parenting lessons. <laughs> Let me tell you what to do here, Mando. <laughs> and I love Amy Sedaris, everyone. I'm not making fun. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we're getting this. Uh, is this the dialogue is going on? The continuing montage of Mando going places. He's trapped under a grate with some water. Uh, is it Moncala water? We don't know. Uh, we see uh, Mando firing up the jetpack over a rocky ravine. Very cool. Walking more into that snowy cave, uh, shooting toward a dude who is already hanging upside down from a pole in an urban environment with graffiti. Lots of cool things in that one shot. Uh, the Razor Crest uh, on fire. Uh, there's always been already been some debate of uh, is that Slave One, and uh, it looks like most people think that's the shape of the Razor Crest on fire. Uh, what did you if what if anything out of these images spoke to you? It was definitely him walking into to the ice cave. I mean, you know, fuel for Elam fires if you if you if you want, but just uh, regardless of what it where it could be. Just the why of that moment of walking into a cave with the child, the man doing the child, walking in, seeking some knowledge, seeking something, seeking someone. Really cool, really intriguing shot. Yeah, totally agree with that. I also just really love this random shot of like, who is hanging upside down and why? And again, I know that's not necessarily a big mystery. It's, you know, just probably a quick scene. But that what looked like that urban environment with graffiti was great because we've definitely seen you know, graffiti that is a, a part of, uh, of Sabine's character in Rebels. But to see another inver- urban environment that has like all this kind of, you know, interesting Star Wars, you know, it looks like graffiti. I'm really intrigued to see more about that. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of get finally into this final scene, which I think is the only scene that we do by the time we'll see it in the show. We'll kind of know like, hey, he's walking to the fighting ring. This is generally what's going to happen. Uh, but we see Mando walk into the fighting ring, Mando and the child. We see two Gamorrean guards swinging vibro axes with what looks like some actual vibro involved. There's some sort of energy exchange uh, when those axes uh, clash, which I just I love what I hope to be the actual vibro of the vibro axes. <laughs> What did you respond to? We knew we saw this maquette a long time ago of the uh, yeah. the topless Gamorrean. Now they're in a ring. Uh, what did it make you feel or think? Uh, I, I do love it. I really love the environment. I, I say this thing that they're taller, thinner Gamorrean guards than I grew up in. But that doesn't mean that uh, these aren't fighting Gamorrean guards. They, uh, you know, lot, drop some fighting weight uh, while prepping for it. I, I'm not saying I'm against it or it's a, it's a mess with cannon. It just is a different look, right? It just looks... Uh, and, you know, and it's definitely obviously clearly performers and masks. I know how magic Hollywood works, but it just uh, it just looks so different that I kept going back. I kept going back to it going. Do I like this? I think I like it. It looks different, but I like it. Yeah, no, I really liked it because I think it is continuing uh, the this real desire to take a lot of the characters that were on the sidelines seen in a very specific way, fulfilled a specific function. But there were those action figures i have told this story uh before so i'll keep it short but uh when return of the jedi was going to be coming out lived in a smaller town and we were driving into minneapolis minnesota the big town and i told my brother 
hey, I think I think this might be the time they might have Return of the Jedi figures. If they do, who do you want? And he was like, you're being an optimist. There won't be figures. <laughs> and there totally were. And I got uh, Luke Skywalker, and he wanted, out of everything, a Gamorrean guard action figure. Uh, so this continues to me with the Jawas, with the Tusken Raiders, with, you know, lots, IG, you know, not 88, but IG 11. A lot of this is that, like, let's these characters who grew in our imaginations partially because of the action figures. Let's see them in, in new environments doing new things uh, is really fun and exciting. Let's see him fight to the death. Yeah. Yeah. And in the masters of Tarascasi video game, they don't look exactly the same, but there is a Gamorrean guard character. Right. So there's a little bit of that vibe to me of like, okay, we got, we have right. mortal combat Gamorrean guards. Great. Yeah. In an actual fighting ring fighting. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> Moving along, then, we have uh, Gore Koresh uh, responds to Mando's wherever I go, he goes and says, so I've heard. This leads into our final scene. The Mando is suddenly surrounded, a bunch of baddies with blasters out, and Mando activates uh, what we know to be the whistling birds on his armored arm. The child sees this and (laughs) makes a little noise, reaches down to the button, and closes his pram. (laughs) (laughs) and then in the darkness we hear the sounds of lots of violence uh, and then we come back to the light we see mando take out one last opponent uh, near the ring and he says this is the way and he marches off screen that away uh seeing this this final sequence you know we talked a little bit about the kind of uh, idea of the child being exposed to all this violence but it is also just really fun and thrilling what else did you take from it First of all, it's just really funny. It's really great character humor. It's really great slapsticky humor almost on, on some levels, uh, but it's tracks with what he's learned. And we talked about the big themes. I really do like the idea that the blackness you're seeing would be in the shot because that's what he's hearing and not seeing is what's going on. So I love a lot about that. Um, but you touched upon it earlier. Just now the familiarity that the child has with the Mando as their relationship grows, Filoni talking about, hey, the Mando and child's relationship is going to develop that I think people, in a way that people will, will enjoy. Uh, and, and this is a great example of that. And and uh, the, the, the whistling birds and everything are, are, are great. They're cool. Uh, uh, yep, yep. Uh, I am more interested in in the connection here and what, and the comedy of anticipation, <laughs> you know, knowing what's about to come. That's pretty funny, but it, it works for me on that uh, father, father, son kind of connection that's going on on this, uh, this series. Yeah. I, I think this is just like a win from so many perspectives. It is mm-hmm. very funny. It is a great gift that is going to be used for generations to come. <laughs> I predict it is actually scary because it is like we're in a, you know, dark, dangerous place. We're surrounded. I need to close myself off from the violence and it just builds that relationship between them uh, beautifully that the child is observing enough to know, ooh, when daddy turns the lights on on the armor, <laughs> it's time to close the pram. Time to go. Time to close that pram. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, uh, we see or hear rather that faint hint of the opening main theme of the Mando. And uh, I, I thought that was great because. This is the first time it really struck me just hearing those opening strains of his theme from season one of wondering how much it's going to be used in season two mm-hmm. or it almost it has this sort of haunting quality that it's great marketing because a lot of people know that that sound already and it makes you pumped to go like, great, let's watch The Mandalorian. But it also mm-hmm. felt to me like, was that his theme when he was alone? This one lonely sort of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. whistle. 
and is that is, is that almost for me it it evoked uh and i know i'm going kind of deep here but it sort of evoked wherever i go he goes that's they're they're a clan of two now that's his reality and is there a part of him that is longing for those days when he was that lonely whistle and he only had to worry about himself hey we we all have that every now and then right so yeah <laughs> Get in the car and drive. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I liked the faint. I liked the the theme of it. It works on a just a simple marketing level. Oh, I know that theme. But to see where where uh, Ludwig's going to take the music is is something I'm very interested in. And 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 themes, uh, you know, like like Star Wars, but like Game of Thrones, Raman Jawadi, and just it, it builds and builds and builds. And when they when they are used again in different ways, it can be really effective. So I want to see. I want to see. I want to hear. I should say. Yeah, I want to hear. Yeah, I, I had a fun experiment of I really wanted to hear the music. So I played the trailer again, just closed my eyes, and I really, really enjoyed everything that's going on um, musically and all and all of the child's little noises. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about? Anything uh, beyond a Cyclops guy that you disliked or questioned? <laughs> No, no. I, again, I'm saying perfect tone. I in a perfect world. This is all I get from here until October 30th. And hey, we're so close. Maybe that's the case. I don't think so. We'll get some TV spots. We'll get a lot of things. We got to get those uh, subs up on Disney Plus. I get it. Uh, and I'm excited. Uh, you know, Star Wars can sometimes be a you know tougher place to 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 live as a fan. And <laughs> recently, for a lot of reasons, good, bad, and otherwise, but it's fun just to have this simple joy of some new Star Wars on the way. I totally agree with you. Uh, I was incredibly thrilled by this trailer. I enjoyed season one so much. I'm so excited about the big ideas of where they're going to go in season two. And it is just a fun, funny, thrilling, joyful show. And I feel like uh, Star Wars fans and many of us in the world need that burst of joy. And what a treat to get that burst of joy from this short uh, two minute trailer. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and that's two minutes with the... uh, Hey, sign up for Disney Plus now. Yeah, exactly. Go do it. Go do it. Uh, so to close this out, uh, just from the trailer, is there any new action figure you want? Oh, definitely. We got to have uh, some uh, topless Gamorians with fighting vibro action, right? <laughs> that is right. I would love some topless Gamorians. Uh, the other action figure I, I thought of is, uh, since we didn't get Grief Karga yet, mm-hmm. maybe a, a two-pack of grief carga pre-beard and with beard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Track his beard growth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, that would be great. Action figure technology. If you could just grow that beard, what a beautiful thing to hope for. Uh, that is our big look at the trailer from Mandalorian season two. Ken, do you want to take us home? I want to take us home indeed, my friends. You uh, can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pond. Use the hashtag Force Center to join the conversation. You can like our Facebook page. Uh, we are also on Instagram and YouTube where we're rebroadcasting audio versions of some of the big news stories and some uh, videos like at the In Memoriam, Star Wars Show and Tell, some stuff on there. So subscribe uh, if, if you wish. And a lot of you might be discovering us because uh, you clicked Mandalorian uh, news or something like that. This is what we do. We go a little, little deeper, take our time on some things, discuss the themes as well as what we think. Uh, and so we hope you enjoyed the conversation. You can listen to the podcast on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Just search and find it. Uh, we have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash 4Center. You can support us at patreon.com slash 
or center. You can follow us, including our pal Jennifer Landa at Jenny Landa on Twitter. She's also on uh, TikTok and YouTube as well. You can follow me at Ken Knapsack or go to KenNapsack.com for more information on all the things I do. And Joseph, where can they follow you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for info on my other podcast, Obsessed, comedy albums, and all sorts of other comedy adventures. And you can check out the Adult Swim show that I am a writer for. That is called Tigtone. Again, you can find all that on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. Yes, sir. That is it. The Mandalorian Season 2 on the way October 30th. What? A Halloween tree. We'll see you next time on Force Center. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.